Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. Fidel Castro, the unelected president and 47-year dictator of Cuba, temporarily ceded power to his brother Raul in order to undergo intestinal surgery. Cato Executive Vice President David Bowes discusses this moment of transition and uncertainty in Cuba. Castro has been a very charismatic and robust dictator, and he's never done this kind of thing before. The situation must be very serious for him to relinquish leadership, even temporarily. Yes, I think that's right. Of course, he's never been 79 and three-quarters years old before, so obviously mortality is setting in. He may be very sick. It is possible that what's going on is a calculated transition, that he wants to give people a taste of Raul being in charge before that eventuality actually happens. What seems more likely to me is the question that I'm not seeing people raising. Is it possible that he's not alive? Is it possible that the Cuban junta around him is trying to make this transition that they know has to come, but they're not ready to tell people? And even if Castro's still alive, is it possible that he's incapacitated? and that he didn't actually write this statement transferring power to Raul, or that in effect he wrote it years ago and it's been sitting around waiting until it was needed. We don't know the answers to these questions. It's a secretive dictatorship, and they don't tell you everything you want to know. Even in the United States, sometimes they don't tell you everything about the leader's health. But certainly in a dictatorship, you can't be sure. So yes, this is unprecedented. It seems like something Castro would not do unless he was seriously ill or anticipating serious illness, and we're just going to have to wait and see just how serious things are. I understand that it is impolite among Cubans to discuss the personal lives of persons in power. Well, I'm sure that's true, but I'm sure people do it. Everybody's got to speculate. I mean, he's like the president and movie stars and your father and grandfather all rolled into one. He's held essentially total power in Cuba for almost 50 years. People are certainly wondering. And the thing that's going to surprise some of us is people are going to cry when Castro dies. And we're going to look at it and say, you're free of this dictator. But people cried when Stalin died. And to some extent, it's because he's like their father and grandfather. He's the only leader they've ever known. And it'll be a shock even if on reflection they decide, well, we might be better off. If there will be a permanent transfer of power, in what direction do you think the country will go? Well, I'm no expert, and I'm not sure anybody's an expert because, as I say, this is a very secretive uh, system. They've got a set up where Raul Castro is supposed to succeed Fidel Castro. It's an odd kind of revolutionary socialism where it's like a monarchy and the brother of the king becomes king. But that's the circumstance they've got. Uh, Raul Castro himself is 75 years old. There are then three younger cabinet ministers, roughly 50 years old, who are supposed to serve as a sort of triumvirate along with Raul. And in theory, in, in Castro's vision, that would be the next generation of leadership. And obviously, if you manage to make that transition, then Castro is hoping that's another 25 years that those men would be able uh, to last. The obvious question is, 
when you no longer have the charismatic revolutionary leader who who created this system, will it hold? Will the junta be able to stay in power? And I don't think anybody knows um, exactly what will happen there. There's no free press. There's no public opinion polling. It's very difficult to figure out. There are going to be a lot of people inside Cuba and outside Cuba who want the transition not to go in exactly the way Castro has planned. In a speech at Cato yesterday, Secretary of Commerce Carlos Gutierrez pledged to discourage third-party intervention during Cuba's transition. Assuming that he spoke for the president, what does the administration mean by that? Well, they could mean the Miami Cubans. There are a lot of Cuban-Americans in Miami who hate Castro, want to see his regime end, would be delighted to use this as an opportunity. But I assume that they don't mean the Miami Cubans because unless the people in Miami are going to mount an army, um, then they're just Cubans who are going to participate in the direction of their country, and I think that's different. The most likely choice, it seems to me, is Hugo Chavez, uh, that they don't want Chavez to, to view himself as the new Castro, the leader of the anti-American left in Venezuela, in, in Latin America generally. Um, I believe that when the news about Castro came, Chavez was on a trip that had taken him to Iran and Belarus, and, and he was then in Vietnam. So he's like making a round-the-world tour of dictatorships, and it's a very disturbing thing to think that theocratic Islam and pure personal dictatorship in Belarus and um, oil dictatorship in Venezuela would all come together in a sort of alliance of dictatorships. Going back to the League of Nations, we've had this idea of a, a League of Democracies. He's trying to create a League of Dictatorships, and he, and he might conceivably want to use his influence or even his military to restore order to preserve the Cuban Revolution. And that seems like the logical person that the Bush administration might be warning. What should we hope for in the outcome? Well, it remains to be seen whether Castro is, in fact, seriously ill or whether he may, uh, in fact, be dead or, or about to die. Eventually, there's going to be a transition, and I assume all Americans hope that Cuba will then rejoin the world economy, the world of democracy, human rights, and free markets. And I'm not sure there's a whole lot the United States can do to bring that about, but that's certainly what we hope. I think that Cuba is still a place with natural resources, with beautiful beaches only a few miles from the United States, with educated people, many of whom have cousins in the United States and therefore access to the American market, to American capital. And so if Cuba can establish effectively a free market economy and a constitutional government, then I think it's really poised for takeoff, and I would want to be an investor in that country. But the challenge is going to be to find out how deep does the revolution go and how easy will it be for people who want to rejoin the world to make that happen. We've seen throughout the former Soviet empire that it's easier some places than others, and it's not terribly easy any place. Cuba has some advantages none of those countries did. All we can do at this point is hope that the transition to freedom may be at hand. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.